God, thanks uh, that we get to be a part of your family uh, and part of this family, even if remotely. Uh, We thank you for your grace and your mercy, your forgiveness uh, through which uh, you welcome us through Christ, which we sang about a few minutes ago. Fill us with your spirit. uh, Unite us around your son as we open your word. We pray that you would be our teacher, that you would give us hearts that are good good soil to receive your word. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart. If my words stray or deviate in any way from your word or the spirit of your word, may they be quickly and forever forgotten. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So next Sunday morning, as hopefully you know and have heard, we're beginning this seven-week series called Explore God. And during that time, we'll be talking about or exploring seven big questions. And those questions are, does life have a purpose? Is there a God? Why does God allow pain and suffering? Someone out front commented about that one this morning. Is Christianity too narrow? Is Jesus God? Is the Bible reliable? Can I know God personally? And while many of us have been challenged or struggle with one or more of these questions at different points in our life, and some of us, maybe many of us, still are being challenged or struggle or wrestling with one or more of these questions, and so these questions are for us, they are also, or maybe more intentionally and specifically during Explore God, not just for us, but also for others, who don't, know, who don't normally show up in a place like this on Sunday morning or any time, uh, the people in our circles of influence, our spheres of life, these questions are questions that they ask as well. And so during Explore God, we really want to encourage each of us, one another, myself and you, to invite other people into these conversations with us. Trusting the promise found in the book of Jeremiah that those who seek God with all of their hearts will find him. That he will reveal himself to those who earnestly seek him. And these big questions are ways that people out in the world, whether we talk about it or not in the past, often ask and wrestle with. So Explore God is an opportunity for us to explore God, but it's also especially an opportunity for all of those other people in our lives to also explore God. I find it uh, a little surprising sometimes how uncommon conversations about God and meaning and the Bible and Jesus are in my life. I don't know about your life. I assume the same may be uh, true for your life as well. But even in the role that I am and the things that I profess and who I, how I think of myself, I'm surprised at how uncommon with all the people in my life questions are about God and faith and the scriptures and Jesus and the meaning of life we find I find the people around me find uh, innumerable other things to talk about and to do besides these really 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 weighty questions and so it's my prayer this week and over the course of these weeks of explore God that we will uh be able to sort of step beyond our normal way of being. Uh, We live in a largely post, I don't want to say post-Christian, but post-church 
nominally Christian, culturally diverse, whatever one believes is fine sort of world. Uh, And so we want to be more intentional, especially, and prayerful during these seven weeks about inviting people, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers into non-judgmental conversations, into safe environments, into uh, situations, places, relationships where people can talk and open up about things that they may or may not think about on a regular basis that really have weight and importance for their lives and ours. That's our desire. I believe it is also God's desire for us to be about these things. Think about with me as we look at the scriptures, one of the overarching themes of the scriptures from beginning to end. Beginning early, early in the book of Genesis, first book in the Bible, we read these words. The Lord said to Abram, whose name is later changed to Abraham, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you or opposes you, I will oppose. And all of the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's intent out of the book of Isaiah, but it's everywhere in Isaiah. It it is too small of a thing, God says to Isaiah. It's too small of a thing for you to be my servant, only in order to restore the tribes of Jacob, of Israel, and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also, that is too small of a thing. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That's Isaiah, and this is how the New Testament begins. And remember, Jesus often quotes Isaiah. This is how the New Testament begins with uh, Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And it's before Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which comes right at the beginning of his teaching, before the Beatitudes, before Jesus heals anyone, before he does any remarkable things. Matthew writes, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus says, and I will, I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Historically, fishers of men, but also fishers of women, fishers of children, fishers of people. From the very, very, very beginning, Jesus' vision and his plan was to call people or to invite people to invite others into relationship with God, into God's family. It's not like you're in the family and you're not of the family. Everyone's invited into God's family, into relationship with him, into God's kingdom. Shortly after that, Jesus has begun teaching his students. He says to them, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And then he says, when you light a light, you don't put it under a bowl. You don't do that. That's not what light is for. I've made you light, you are light, in order to shine, shine, shine. Lots of, so many of the church, Christians, world, Presbyterians today live with a light with a bowl on top of it. Picture that. Shouldn't be, Jesus said. Light isn't supposed to be covered. 
Go out and let your light shine. Let people know about my Father in heaven. After a short amount of time later, Jesus sends out 12 disciples on a little mission trip. Go and tell, tell people, talk to people. You don't know much, but tell them what you do know. A little while later, he sends out 72 of his closest followers, disciples, students, and says, you go too. Just go. Trust me. Go. Talk. Share. Be. Bear witness. And at the end of each of the four Gospels, there's some version of what we call in Matthew's Gospel, the Great Commission, in different ways, in different Gospels, where Jesus says, now go, I'm done. My ministry is over with you in person. Now it's your turn. Take what you've seen, learned, heard, seen, proclaim it, tell it, share it in every different way to all kinds of people. Go and do that now until God's salvation reaches the ends of the earth, Isaiah. And then in the scriptures and in history, next comes the book of Acts. And you know what happens early in the book of Acts. After Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and ascension, Jesus has said the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill you in a new way with my power. And with it, in it, through this Spirit, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And to the, again, ends of the earth, you will be my witnesses. And Holy Spirit comes. Any Pentecostals among us this morning? A few. Yeah, all of us in some ways. If you're filled with the Spirit, if you trust Jesus, that Spirit's primary purpose, or first Jesus says to tell, to announce, to share, to proclaim in all the different languages so that everyone to the ends of the earth gets a chance to hear and know of God's love in Jesus. And then the book of the Acts, the book of Acts is all about these missionary trips and these people going from Jerusalem to Samaria to Antioch to Asia Minor and eventually to Rome to the sort of center of the known world or at least empire at that point to the ends of the earth. And are you starting to get sort of this macro theme that runs from beginning to end in the scriptures that's so often overlooked in our world and in the church that has a huge bowl over it? And many of us in the church, in the Presbyterian church, mainline church, evangelical church, American church, Western church, have lost our faith's missional impulse. We have forgotten one aspect of what is at the heart, the very heart and beginning of our calling, not just to be saved, but to eagerly and joyfully participate in the spreading of the message of salvation and opportunities to, for such to people we know who live next door to us, who, who sit in the cubicle next to us, who ride in the bus or on BART next to us. A knowledge of the Lord's salvation. Richard Halverson, he was a one-time chaplain of the U.S. Senate, was known to sometimes note that the church began as a movement. The church began as a movement of people whose lives were centered around or revolved around the Christ, around Jesus. The church began as a movement of men and women whose lives revolved around the living Christ. Then the church moved to Greece where it became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome where it became an institution. Then it moved to Europe where it became a culture. And finally it moved to America where it became an enterprise. The church, and by that I'm going to mean broadly, those people who identify with Jesus in some way and whose lives supposedly revolve around him has lost so much of our missional identity. And impulse. We have forgotten that with Peter and Andrew we are called to fish, to cast out nets. I'm not like a literal fisherman. Like I, I don't like, I'll eat fish. But it's the whole sort of hook and throwing it out and just waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, but in some ways every one of us 
It's like at the core and beginning of our calling. Not just to be saved, to follow Jesus, but to follow him in order to be fishers of people, children, women, men. And to collect them or at least to throw out a net or a line. And to make ourselves available to God in that way. Whether we catch anything or not, which is largely up to the Spirit. But we have a part always in that. Casting out, throwing the net. Announcing, proclaiming, sharing. And inviting people to explore God with us or with you. One way to do that is explore God. It is one easy way to do that. And some will say, I'd like to tell others about Jesus. I'd like to do this explore God thing. I'd like to have conversations about things that really matter. For example, God, faith, meaning. But then, and I just sort of for fun, uh, sort of played with the graphics, the font up on the screen this morning. Right? Is it true? Is this like anyone else had this story? Yeah. Okay. I'd like to have conversations about things that really matter. I'd like to have meaningful conversations about God, faith, Jesus, Bible, and the meaning of life. But, 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 here are some of our buts. I get really nervous. I don't know how to start the conversation. I tried once, but it it wasn't well received. I'm afraid I won't be able to answer people's questions. I don't want to come off as pushy, as a pushy religious type. My faith. It's really private. It's private. That whole thing is just not my gift. It's not my gift. It's somebody else's gift. And I get it. I really do. These uh, things, uh, there are things that make me really nervous. Like flying on airplanes in bad weather. Anyone relate? And yet, that hasn't stopped me from flying on airplanes in, in really bad I've thought about it a few times. I've sort of been at the airport at the gate, and it's thundering outside and heavy rain. And I'm like, mm, and then I get on. But to do that, I have to remind myself, I do remind myself of a variety of truths. Airplanes, commercial aircraft, don't just fall out of the sky. Commercial aircraft are designed for every kind of weather they fly in, for terrible storms. Commercial aircraft... Their wings don't just snap off. Like I remember the Legos when I made Lego airplanes when I was looking. The wings, it, doesn't, it never happens. And I have to remind myself about those things in order to sort of get on the plane. Okay. I get really nervous, but nervousness doesn't stop us from doing a lot of things that make us nervous. Next, I don't know how to start the conversation. So I remember... The biggest challenge I've ever had starting a conversation, it's eighth grade, it's eighth grade, and I like this girl, and I hope she likes me, and the way that you begin that kind of relationship in eighth grade when I was a kid was you uh, have a phone conversation, and that was when telephones were attached to the wall. (laughs) And there was this long, long cord. My mom got a cord that you could sort of, it was super long. Anyone have one of those super long cords after a while? I mean, at first they were like this long, and they didn't, and they got knotted up, but, but then they came out with these super long cords. So I dragged it into my room and shut the door on the cord. It was long enough to do that and sort of and stared at the phone for a long time and just sort of like, this is my fate, uh, the phone. And, and, my, and, and then those sort of seven fateful numbers, 828, and I sort of punched them all out real slowly. Am I going to do it in the last number? Bam. And then I had this terrible fear that after, hi, is Kristen there? I would not know what to say. 
right? I wouldn't know what to say. I'd be dead in the water, and everything would come to this crashing, awkward silence. Or she'd say hello, and I'd say, this is Shannon, and uh, bam. And so I wrote down, I, rem- I don't remember what the questions were, but I wrote down 10 questions on a piece of paper as an eighth grader just in case to keep the conversation going. And you can do that as well. I don't know how to start the conversation, but... So here's a few uh, sort of get you started, a primer. Did you grow up in a home where any sort of faith or religion was practiced? That's not very threatening. Do you consider yourself to be a spiritual person? Do you believe there's a God? Do you believe there's a God? If so, what do you believe that God's like? What do you believe about God? I'd love to hear your thoughts about Jesus. It doesn't have to be. Now, do you believe that you're going to, God, you're going to go to hell if you don't? It doesn't, like, the opening question doesn't have to be like that. It's not a great opening question. It's not a question, no. Like, it can be changed into a, a question, a form of question, Alex Trebek. I tried once, but I wasn't well received. Uh, I went out on a date once, and it wasn't well received. I can remember. Like, but did that stop me from dating? No. Anyone else been out on a first terrible date? A few honest people? Okay. Did you keep dating after that? Or did you just sort of give up on all of that? I tried playing a sport one time. It didn't go super well. I rode the bench a lot of that year in uh, second grade. Did I stop playing sports? No. No, we can, we can do better than that. I tried, but it wasn't well received. Okay, try again. I'm afraid, next, I'm afraid I won't be able to answer people's questions. Uh, I was, uh, my first year of university, I went to the University of Texas before I transferred. Uh, God bless the Longhorns. Uh, and there was a guy, uh, he worked for InterVarsity Press, or InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and he was just a traveling evangelist. His name was Cliff Connectly. Anyone ever heard of Cliff Connectly? Anyone ever see him, Sean, on a university campus? And that's all he did. He just traveled around the United States and talked in open spaces, forums, esplanades, uh, on university campuses about Jesus. And one of the most remarkable things about this guy who was brilliant and bright and did this for a, a living vocationally for years and years and years among college students, he was really good. But one, I remember one of the things that he said that most, actually the only thing that I remember that he stuck with me was sometimes someone would ask, you know, they were all, he invited questions and he had this way of very dramatic. And one way that he answered a question multiple times was, I don't know. <laughs> Which I thought, if this guy doesn't have all the, all the answers out in public, it's okay for me to not have all the answers too. And it's okay for you to not have all the answers too. In fact, those of us who are sort of along the line, uh, along the journey in life, know that the more that we know, the more that we know that we don't know. But that's okay. That's just the way it's going to be. If you want to know less, you can continue to know less and less, too, somehow. But if you want to know more, the more you know, the more you'll know that you don't know. So don't be afraid. Dallas Willard, we live in a culture that has for centuries now cultivated the idea that the skeptical person is always smarter than the one who believes. You can almost be as stupid as a cabbage as long as you doubt. That is the world in which we live, but it's not reality. It's not true. Some of us saw, and we've talked a little bit about Francis Collins, who headed the, uh, for 12 years, was the director of the Institutes of Public Health under multiple presidents, Republican and Democrat, who for 13 years uh, led the Human Genome Project, one of the hugest uh, sort of international, worldwide 
uh, scientific endeavors in history. For 13 years, he was the head of that. And he loves God and follows Jesus. Yeah, if, if he can do it and doesn't have all the answers, we can too. Uh, on Monday evening in here, uh, a number of us uh, during some other things that we were doing, praying and worshiping God, watched a short video by a guy named Patrick uh, Pelsinger. Pelsinger. And he's the CEO of Intel, a small company down the road, and a f- follower of Jesus. Sort of brilliant guy uh, on the front line of a lot of uh, innovating of chips and things like that. Brilliant brilliant man, a devoted follower of Jesus. Uh, If we don't have the answers, well, he's got more than we do. So does Francis Collins, but even they don't have all the answers, but that's okay. I don't want to come off as pushy, as a pushy religious type, and I thought to myself, if you don't want to come off as a pushy religious type, you're probably already there, right? I mean, you're already sort of in a place where you're not going to come off as a pushy religious type because you're so afraid of it. You're just going to, your problem is going to be tentativeness not being overly pushy if you're that self-aware already, which is a good thing. All right? Make sense? Uh, My faith is really private. I refer you to Mark chapter 5, where a woman who's been experiencing bleeding, hemorrhaging for 12 years, comes up in a crowd, touches Jesus' garment, his outer garment, and is healed. Jesus stops the crowd and goes, hold on, someone touched me. And his disciples go, Jesus, everyone's touching you, bumping up against you. He says, no, no, someone touched me in a particular way. The power went out from me. I mean, he knew, and he knew. And he calls out the poor woman who had been sick and bleeding for 12 years and goes public because Jesus, while he will let us have a a personal faith, will not allow us to have a private faith. Personal faith, absolutely. Private, no. We live publicly as followers of Jesus. We live publicly as followers of Jesus. I'm afraid I won't be able to answer people's questions. I don't want to come off as pushy. My faith is really private, and that's just not my gift. It's just not my gift. Of, we'll say it. Evangelism is not my gift. Or inviting people into conversations or to explore God. But according to the scriptures, that's not so much a gift for a few, but a calling for all. According to the scriptures, telling our faith, sharing our faith, being witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, is not not a gift for just a few, but a calling for all. So... uh, this morning, uh, Dina is going to come up for a couple minutes and share some of her story with us, grab a mic. Dina's on staff at the church, but long before she was on staff at the church, she was a normal person. <laughs> and uh, we've enjoyed having her on staff for almost a year. She's going to share some of her uh, pre-staff life. Thanks. Um, I've been a part of Waypoint for about five years. Um, and as Shannon said, I've been on staff for the last 10 minutes or s- 10 months or so. Um, and so I'm not normally an upfront kind of person. So thanks for being with me. Um, so I wanted to share a little bit about how I came to faith. Um, 
Um, when I was growing up, we didn't go to church. It wasn't a part of our family tradition. Um, I had a few church experiences, some positive, some not so positive, but really just not a lot of experiences at all. So um, let's see, when I went to college, I was really surprised to meet these Christian guys who lived down the hall from me. And um, that wasn't kind of what I was expecting at college, that there would be people who were young and took their faith seriously. Um, but that's what they did. They would spend their time doing church stuff. Um, so that was kind of strange and funny to me. But um, the transition to college was a challenging, challenging time for me. Um, I had taken probably most of high school to sort of find my friend group and figure all that stuff out. So here I was starting completely over in college. Um, so there are lots of different options, parties and substances and things you can do to try to make friends. And I was trying those things, but sort of finding them empty and not particularly fulfilling. So one day I was chatting with one of these Christian guys who lived down the hall. And um, I must have sounded curious or maybe skeptical, but um, he invited me to hear more about what he believed. So I was curious. So I was like, sure. So we um, set up a time. We we're going to get together and talk about that stuff. Um, but before we got a chance to do that, another one of these Christian guys invited me and a few other people to go on a retreat. Now, I not the kind of person that would like to go off with a whole bunch of strangers and not have any escape or anything like that. So, um, but somehow I found myself saying yes. So I went on this retreat and kind of the funny thing about the retreat is that um, it wasn't really intended for people like me. It was really more intended for like leaders or people who wanted to be leaders. So they had brought in this pastor to do these really intense teachings. Um, and I didn't really like them and I didn't really like you know, the things he was saying, or, you know, I was kind of offended by some of the stuff. But um, at the end of that day, um, uh, after kind of seeing all these people share their lives together and pray for each other and worship together, I was just in tears. And I think God was really doing something in my heart. And um, I can't totally explain it. I think part of it was seeing this community that was like a family. Um, and I hadn't seen that in the world before. So, um, so within a couple of days, we did come back, and I sat down with some of those Christian guys, and they shared about what they believed. Um, and it was the first time for me to hear a clear gospel presentation. Um, I had heard before that Jesus died for your sins, but I didn't really understand that until now. And so um, I was able to understand that... Um, because of my, that Jesus loves me dearly, God loves me dearly, but because of my sin, I needed a way to be right with him. Um, and that way was through Jesus and his death on the cross and his paying for um, the punishment that I deserve. So that night I thought about it for a long time and um, I prayed probably for the first time and I told God that I'm a sinner and I needed and wanted his forgiveness and I accepted his gift of salvation. And so that was a time, that from that time was a um, big change and a big shift in my life. And so I was really um, thankful for those two guys who invited me to things. Um, the one guy, I think, was kind of a bold inviter, and he invited everyone to everything, which is why I ended up at a leader's retreat. <laughs> 
And the, the other guy was, I think, much more reserved, kind of more like me. And I think it took um, a lot of courage for him to say, hey, do you want to hear about what I believe? Um, but it, God used them both powerfully in my life. So I'm very grateful um, to them for taking that step. And we're really grateful for you sharing, Dina. That was not easy. Uh, most of us, I'm not, uh, are upfront people, but Dina uh, professes to not be either, so thank you for sharing that. Uh, one of those uh, two inviters, and I don't think I need to say which, but just for fun, uh, ended up being Dina's husband, <laughs> which is really fun. Way to go, Jomo. Uh, it's the power of an invitation, right? The power of an the potential of an invitation and of inviting and of going fishing and of understanding ourselves to be called to be fisher people can make not just someone's weekend, but make their life the potential to completely change someone's life. If you knew how to get free ESPN or Netflix legally, legally and ethically, wouldn't you tell everyone? If you were hungry and knew a whole bunch of other people were hungry as well and knew where there was a bottomless source of food, bread, pizza, wouldn't you tell everyone? Wouldn't you tell everyone immediately? If you knew how to get tickets to the Niners game or front row seats to uh, the Warriors and there were unlimited, somehow unlimited seats, wouldn't you tell everyone immediately? If you knew we were a clinic of a clinic that had a cure for cancer and you had friends with cancer wouldn't you tell them immediately yeah absolutely immediately so i wrote down some notes these are things that we have access to that we have knowledge of that we possess among many others that you could uh, name yourself in christ and through faith grace which is a commodity that our world doesn't really possess or know much about because it doesn't exist out in the world apart from God and apart from Christ. Grace, truth, forgiveness, and the whole forgiving enterprise, the lack of forgiveness and inability to forgive and not being forgiven literally kills people. But we discover not only our forgiveness, but the power to forgive and the call to forgive through God in Christ. Hope, meaning, significance, a mission, friendship with God, eternity. All of those are possible and available to the people in our lives, not just us. Sometimes you never know by simply an invitation and a conversation, an invitation to a retreat, an invitation to join us for worship, an invitation to be in a group, an invitation to coffee, a phone call, an email. God may be, want, God does want to do that through every one of us, I believe. And now we get to have a season where we've got a mechanism to do that a little bit more easily together. So I want to encourage you. And I'm going to close with uh, this verse from the little book of Philemon uh, in the back of the Bible. Uh, this is how uh, the original New International Version translates verse 6 of that one chapter book or letter. 
I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Interesting. Paul says, Paul writes, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. As if it's in the sharing of our faith, the going out on our land, the stepping out, the speaking, the opening our mouths, the engaging other people, that we begin to discover or be clearer about the treasures that we have in Christ. If you don't know, if you haven't articulated those, if you've never given deep thought to that, sharing your faith or being compelled to, called to, and wanting to will give you the impetus to begin to do that in ways that will deepen your faith and deepen your well. So may Paul's prayer also be our prayer for ourselves and one another. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full or deeper understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ and the things that we have in Christ that were on the screen a moment ago not only are abundant, but they're also unlimited. There's this unlimited supply of God's goodness for us in Christ. So uh, as I close, I want to pray, but I want uh, us to, to thoughtfully pray about how God may be calling you, me, each of us, and us as a church family to respond to his macro theme of wanting to bless the world, the world, the ends of the earth, through even his meager church, even through us. So let's pray. God, you've been far better to us than we deserve. In Christ, through Christ, by Christ. With grace and with truth and with hope and with mercy and with forgiveness and an invitation not just to be forgiven but to forgive others with your help and by your grace. To let go of the hate and bitterness and anger that we have at other people in order to be free. We thank you for giving us a mission, for giving us a calling, for helping us understand why we're here and that we're here for a purpose and that you're with us and behind us and for us in that. And not just here for today in these bodies, but that we have great hope. We live with hope that the world doesn't have of an eternity, of a life that goes on beyond these bodies of resurrection, that we need not fear death. We present ourselves this morning as vessels to you to be ambassadors and agents of all of these things in your name. So we sit, we reside in your presence. And God, actively this morning, I want to ask that uh, you would compel us through your spirit to respond with a pledge to become, if we have not been, fishers of people in your fisher boat, in your fishing boat. Fill us with your spirit. Give us the gifts and tools we need. Save us from fear and reluctance and reticence and all the buts that we have expressed or that belong to us. 
Save us from those. God, in just a closing moment of silence, uh, hear each of us. I'll be quiet that you might hear and that we individually might speak to you. If we want to take a step this morning that we haven't taken before, a pledge, a commitment, help us with that, hear that, to become who you would have us be. Do great things through your church, God. Jesus said that his disciples, including us, would do even somehow greater things than he did. Do that. Grow your kingdom. Bring that about. We offer ourselves to you. Great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.